There is no substitute for talking to people. I can't emphasize that enough. From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a long career as an employed professional. Today on Going Solo, I'm speaking with the founder and principal of startup distillery, Diane Tarshis. Diane and I discuss the conversations and financial tools that lead to profitability. Stay with us to hear all the details. One of the places where you can have the kinds of conversations Diane references is inside a community you can trust. As a member of the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll have access to a community that is built to be a safe, caring place where inclusive, direct, active, and empowering conversations are welcome. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. If you're committed to getting your consulting business to grow on your own terms so that you can deliver great results to your ideal clients while supporting the lifestyle you want and you don't want to do it alone, I invite you to apply to become a member of the Smashing the Plateau community. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Diane Tarshis. Diane is founder and principal of Startup Distillery, a global consulting firm that helps entrepreneurs launch successful businesses and secure funding. She focuses primarily on early stage startups, regardless of industry. That means Diane gets to work with the founders in a wide variety of fields, ranging from clean energy to cannabis, movie studios to life sciences, consulting, consumer products, design, and distilleries, of course. Her extensive background in finance, manufacturing, operations, and retail informs all the work that she does as she helps entrepreneurs distill their ideas into growing businesses. Diane, welcome back to the show. David, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So I know one of your specialties is the numbers. And we talked a little bit about this the last time you were you were ongoing solo. And I'm looking forward to having this opportunity to do a deeper dive because I realized like when I started my business, I actually, I had a background where I was responsible for finances for most of my career. And so the numbers were pretty easy to me. But I know that for many high achieving professionals, when they leave the corporate world and they start their own business as a consultant or, you know, even in doing something else, the numbers are not necessarily their friends. And I, I've worked with way too many business owners that are just afraid to look at the numbers. Forget about planning. They're just afraid to look at them. I remember there was one, one client I had that had a small business, had some employees, and you know wanted, wanted to do better and was, wanted to make some changes in the business, but was totally clueless about how much money they were actually making or not. And it turned out that when I started looking at the numbers, they were actually making a lot more money than they realized. So in their case, it was actually good news to look at the numbers. There really isn't anything to be afraid of. It's just reality. So anyway, that, that's my perspective on it. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about it. So in particular, for, for consultants that are starting their business, especially if they're doing it after a late career job loss, when should they start focusing on the numbers and on cash flow projections? So before I dive into that, I do have to tell you that I had a client who 
worked, uh, he was a partner in a hedge fund for over 20 years and he decided to start a, a distillery, coincidentally, <laughs> in, in the UK, an expat from the US. And he was completely in denial and frightened of the numbers. And I thought it was hilarious that he'd been around numbers for his entire career. So no one should feel bad about it. But in terms, uh, to answer your question, in terms of when they should look at the numbers, honestly, the way that I think about it is the words drive the numbers. So first order of business is to figure out exactly what you want to do and how you want to do it. What is the problem you're solving and, you know, how are you going about solving it? So the conceptual stuff comes first because the answers to all of the operational and existential questions will inform how you or what you include in your financial projections. And the cash flow projections are the most important spreadsheet in my, in my view. So is once you have a very good idea of what it is you want your business to be. And why are the cash flow projections the most important set of numbers to focus on? You know, they say cash is king, and I really think that is true. So cash flow projections, so a lot of people get profit and loss, P&Ls, statements mixed up with cash flow projections. So you can be profitable and still go out of business because you don't have enough cash to pay your bills. So profitability, it doesn't take into account exactly when money is flowing into and out of your bank account. Cash flow projections are the most important because you are tracking very literally when money is flowing into your bank account and when it is flowing out. So even though you may have made a sale in April, if you're not getting paid until May or June, then that money isn't available to you. It will show up as a sale in April in your P&L. It will not show up in your cash flow projections or in your bank account until the bill is paid in May or June. So you don't want to run into a cash crunch. Right. So what are some of the steps that, that someone can take to avoid running into a cash crunch and, and putting themselves out of business? So the key is really to use this cash flow projection spreadsheet that you can find. Certainly, you know, I'm sure you can find templates online. I have a DIY business plan kit and the, the template is part of that. Or talk to an accountant and they can give you a spreadsheet. But it's in general, it is made up of... So the top section is your estimated revenues. So... Let me back up and say that these are projections. You're making an educated guess, not, not a wild guess, but an educated guess. And so the structure is such that revenues are on top and then come um, expenses. This is a very general overview. And in order to get numbers, real numbers, uh, informed numbers into those sections, you need to do some research. And the best kind of research, I think, involves talking to people. So typically the way I go about things is I start with the expense section first because that is, I think, a little bit easier to go about. So we'll ease into it by listing out, you know, what do you think the relevant expenses are going to be for your business? So if it's a consulting business, do you need to buy some equipment, a 
printer, computer, office furniture, subscriptions to either apps or software or, you know, technical, who knows what. Thinking about any expenses, memberships to um, organizations, thinking about all of the expenses that go into your business. And then making phone calls. So calling to find out how much is that computer that I want exactly? Are there shipping costs associated with it? How much is the desk or the chair going to cost? Or looking online to find out how much the membership is going to be for, you know, whatever organization it makes sense to join. So digging into the details and getting real numbers. That's how I go about it. The revenues, it's a little bit different a little more challenging because you need to not only, I mean, doing research only gets you so far. I have clients actually speak to other people who are in this industry already to get a feel for what it was like when they were starting out. How long did it take to get X number of clients? You know, how long did it take to get their first client? Uh, What was it like after two months? and four months, and a year later, and trying to talk to several people, talking to competitors, because I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it never ceases to amaze me and give me faith in humanity, how kind and helpful people want to be, and just naturally want to help others. And so I encourage people to actually make that phone call and reach out and listen, you know, you don't ask, you don't get. So... It's definitely worth uh, uh, trying to have those conversations. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about both the expense side and the revenue side and hear your take on this because I find for professionals that are going solo and start their own business in the same field that they've been in in corporate, again, typically it's, it's some kind of, I call it consulting, but it could be some kind of professional practice which maybe is, a, is another way to describe it. But I find that the, the biggest expense that they have and maybe the most important one is what they need to, it's not really a business expense, it's what they need to support their lifestyle. So they're essentially, they're, they're replacing their salary with some other source of income, but their salary was used for the most part to pay the bills for living. And so... What's really important for them is to know what do they actually need to support their lifestyle. And furthermore, there are different ways to look at it because you can support your lifestyle the same way you've been supporting your lifestyle for the last X number of years through your salary. Or you can make some modifications to your lifestyle that may give you a little more breathing room as you ramp up your business. Right. You know, I work with a lot of people who are in their 40s and 50s, and we have a lot of conversations around this issue. You know, what is your income target and how quickly do you need to get there? And what's happening, what's on the horizon in terms of college tuition for kids or, you know, retirement needs, any future lifestyle changes that they are anticipating both on the plus side and the minus side. So all of that informs what the goal is. And then it's a matter of figuring out whether they can achieve that. And so having conversations around that. So in a way, we end up sort of 
backing into things. So doing these financial projections, particularly cash flow projections, becomes really important because they do have to pay the mortgage. They do have to pay for, you know, health insurance oftentimes, or sometimes it's a matter of calculating, you know, the spouse is going to, is working in corporate America and they're going to be covering the insurance payments. But you really need to be fully informed in order to sort of back into whether this is going to make financial sense for you and your family. Yeah, I've worked with with individuals that were highly compensated through salary and had um, you know a fairly expensive lifestyle that went along with it and left the job because part of the, the negative consequences of a highly compensated job is that there are a lot of demands on you personally and you often make sacrifices with regard to your personal life and how much time you spend with your family, et cetera. The people like that who have left a, a high paying corporate job and realize they don't need two or three homes. They don't need to have five vacations that are $10,000 plus per year, right? Exactly. And so, you know, they don't necessarily need to go out to eat multiple nights per week at expensive restaurants. And what they would rather do is simplify their lifestyle, in which case they don't need that kind of income. They like, you know, what's more important is to spend time with their family, have time at home, and earning less is just fine. That also is part of the equation. You know, a lot of my clients who are in that age range, they hire me because they realize, you know, I've got 20 to 25 years left of my working life and I need to start this up more quickly and avoid a lot of the traditional mistakes. So a lot of times it can take, you know, five years plus to get a new business off the ground. And they value time more than anything in that scenario. And they'd rather hire somebody to help them cut that down to 18 months, two years, (laughs) rather than the five to seven years a traditional business can take. And so whether they are reducing I don't want to say reducing, but whether they are changing their lifestyle or not, there's still this sense of urgency to get things going more quickly. But I can't stress the importance of doing that self-evaluation, having conversation with significant others about what you want that lifestyle to be. You do need to go through that self-reflection exercise to figure out what it is you really want. Because until you know that, you can't build what it is that's going to meet your needs, both financially and psychically and emotionally. So yeah, you, re- you really have to go through that process. Right. You can't budget for something if you don't know what the something is. Exactly. Well put. <laughs> yes. Um, so then on the a flip side, on the revenue side, what I've seen is consultants, especially if they don't do the kind of research you're talking about, for example, talking to competitors, talking to people that have been in a similar kind of business for a number of years, they don't know things like what is a fair amount to charge for a particular kind of value that you are producing for a client? What are the different kinds of business models you can use? There are a lot of different ways you can charge for something. Right. You know, there are different kinds of, of um, you know, for example, for somebody who has been in the 
working world at mid to high levels after 20, 25 years or more, you could become a fractional expert where you're looking to get, I don't know, say three to five clients that are going to be paying you some number of thousands of dollars per month each, right? Right. That's one model. Another model is you're going to work on project you know, one project at a time. And you want to have certain number, and depending upon what your sales cycle is, you want to have enough leads so that you can start a new project around the time that another one ends. Mm -hmm. And you probably, if you're going to be solo, you have the bandwidth for a finite number of projects. That's another model. Some people have models where they have a, they have, you know, different kinds of offerings. They could have a, do-it-yourself offering where I you know, like like you have a do-it-yourself business planning kit, right? A do-it-yourself offering, right. a do-it-with-you offering, and a do-it-for-you offering yeah. different price point. <laughs> right. And right, the do-it-yourself model, you can scale and sell many of those because they don't involve your time. You're just selling a product. Right. The do-it-for-you is very time intensive. You've got to charge a high price for that. Otherwise, you're going to be losing money because it takes a lot of time. I'm going to throw out another alternative there, which is the do it for you or with you and not hiring employees, but outsourcing some of the functions. So I've had clients where they are providing a service, but some of the pieces they end up being able to outsource so that perhaps they have a writer who does the first draft or a virtual assistant who takes care of a lot of the operational stuff in the background. And so those things free up my client to do, you know, the thing that they do best and the thing that they love most. So, you know, kind of a little bit, you know, just, I guess, another offshoot of that, but it gives them a little more flexibility and a little more bandwidth. So... Correct. So there are different kinds of models. You don't know what they are unless, to your point, unless you do the research and ask people. Right. And um, they can hire somebody like you or like me to help them with some of these things. They can do all this stuff on their own. But unless you do the research in some way, shape or form, you're not going to know what to charge and you are going to be leaving money on the table. Very much so. And I want to point out that when you and I both say research... We're not talking about going down the Google rabbit hole. You know, some of that is helpful, but I want to say within reason. I can't emphasize enough, and I, I know we've talked about this before, so I know you're in agreement, that there is no substitute for talking to people. I mean, I man, I can't emphasize that enough. It is amazing what you will learn in terms of maybe new business models we've never heard of or new tools that we've never heard of, or something unexpected that happens in a particular industry, something to watch out for, or different strategies. I mean, there are a million combinations and permutations, but the bottom line is there is valuable information to be gleaned from people who have done it before you. So in addition to the kind of talking to people, talking to people who are part of your target market, to get a better handle on what it is they want and need and can't seem to find elsewhere. So, and we'll pay for. And we'll pay yes. for. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. Um, and all of this informs the, the pricing question, right? 
all of this. So you can't do that just by Googling. No, no. You know, one of the things I've noticed is that even people that have these very successful online businesses mm-hmm. where they're, um, they have a big audience, I'm thinking of people that have things like membership communities with thousands of people, mm-hmm. or they have all these programs where they seem to have you know, thousands of followers. They all spend time talking one-on-one to people in the marketplace. They may not do a huge amount of it, but they definitely do some before they try to sell anything new. Right. Yeah, because there's no substitute for it. You have to know if there's a real problem that you're solving and if it's the kind of problem that people are going to pay for and if there are enough of those people that will pay for it. So all of those pieces are important. Right, which which then you feed into your cash flow projection, which is how we started this conversation. Exactly. And then, right, if you do the research and you put the numbers in one place, you will know whether what you're looking at is likely to be a business or whether it is more likely to be a hobby. Yes, yes. Because that that's the thing is if you can't get enough volume or you can't charge what you need in order to you know, reach the income level that you need for whatever lifestyle it is that you choose, then yeah, it's it's not going to be worth it. It won't make sense. Exactly. Exactly. Diane, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to mention before we close out? I just want to share, there is a little pet peeve I have about cash flow projections. And that is a lot of people take some of their startup expenses and they put them in the first month or quarter column, what, however it is that they're structuring their cash flow projections. So any of those sort of one-time expenses, whether it's, you know, buying that computer or hiring somebody like you or me to help them, you know, get started, those don't belong in the cash flow projections. Those belong in something called the sources and uses of funds. And the sources of uses and uses of funds include some information from your cash flow projections once they're finished that will tell you how much money you're going to need to launch your business. And by that, I mean how much you will need to budget for yourself if you're planning to bootstrap or how much you need to raise from investors or how much you will need to borrow from lenders. And without that information, you run those risks of Uh, running into a cash crunch. But those, they're two separate spreadsheets and they're both important in how they work together. And so don't just chuck those expenses in that first, (laughs) in that first column of your cash flow projections. Right. Because one is a one-time expense and the other is our ongoing expense. Ongoing. Exactly. Exactly. That's a really important point. Yeah. Diane, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've talked about today or access resources you have, where should they go? Startupdistillery.com has all kinds of information about what I do, how I do it, what my background is, all of that, along with ways to contact me. So yeah, that's, that's definitely the first place to go. Great. And is there something specific that you wanted to mention that's regard to this episode. I do. I want to make a special offer to your listeners for one free hour of consulting that I will make available for the next three months. All you need to do is use the coupon code SOLO 
And you can go to my online calendar, which is at startupdistillery.com slash calendar, because I'm just that creative. And in the notes section, when you book a one hour meeting, you can use the coupon code or the name of this podcast in the notes. And I would be happy to spend an hour with you talking about whatever venture it is that you would like to launch. That's a great offer. Thank you so much. Diane, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us again on Going Solo and do a deep dive on the numbers. Um, This has been really great. My guest today has been the founder and principal of Startup Distillery, Diane Tarshis. Thank you again, Diane, for joining us. David, thank you so much for having me back. It's always a pleasure. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. One of the places where you can have the kinds of conversations Diane referenced is inside a community you can trust. As a member of the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll have access to a community that is built to be a safe, caring place where inclusive, direct, active, and empowering conversations are welcome. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. If you're committed to getting your consulting business to grow on your own terms so that you can deliver great results to your ideal clients while supporting the lifestyle you want and you don't want to do it alone, I invite you to apply to become a member of the Smashing the Plateau community. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.